the Demore Global Running family. And I like I like the global side of it because I'm glad I thought of this. Running is, I'm going to say, it's like always the most accessible sport because you don't need a swimming pool. You don't need an ice rink. You don't need uh, a tennis racket or a tennis. Like you just need two running shoes and you go out the door. Hello and welcome to the Race Mob Podcast. This is episode number 14. I'm Kevin, entrepreneur, technology and fitness nerd, and the founder of Race Mob. I'm joined by master motivator, founder of Too Legit Fitness, co-chair of the Taji 100, RRCA certified coach, USA track and field certified official, the incomparable Bertrand Newsom. We are so excited to welcome Seth Demore to the podcast. Bertrand and I are true fans of Seth, and especially his YouTube channel, where he's been daily vlogging since 2015. His channel really took off after he started focusing on content around running, and he's built an incredible community. Seth just surpassed 100,000 subscribers on YouTube when we recorded this podcast, and that's a feat that's normally reserved for celebrities. To see it done in the running space, it's truly admirable. If you've checked out Seth's channel, then you're gonna love this conversation. And if you haven't, let me prep you on a couple of inside phrases that we reference. Seth's channel features a studio, a studio which is dedicated to running shoes, and he gives detailed shoe reviews. Seth has a wife and four young kids, and he has a nickname for his wife. He calls her True Love, and she just started running this summer, so we were checking up on her training for her very first 5K. Seth's also known for some bumper sticker phrases such as butter my bread, which is a reference to the cinnamon butter at Texas Roadhouse, and to life just being good and hard work paying off. During races, he often writes phrases in permanent marker on his wrist, a reminder to dig deep during those hard times. He also repeats technical mantras like head up, pump the arms, and quick feet. So he's got a lot of these mantras which we reference during this podcast. Not only is Seth a dynamic personality and a caring individual, he's also just an incredible athlete. He holds the FKT, or fastest known time, on several trails throughout the U.S. He's also represented the U.S. in the World Mountain Running Championships. And he was fresh off winning the Pikes Peak Marathon, a grueling ascent and descent marathon that climbs and descends 7,000 feet. A marathon that his dad once completed and which holds a special place in his heart. This episode is brought to you by Race Mob, an inclusive community for fitness enthusiasts. Whether you're brand new to fitness or you're a veteran athlete, we all need support, motivation, and accountability. Our new community site just launched, and you can find it at community.racemob.com. Here, we'll host online meetups, challenges, giveaways, and live sessions with Coach B, myself, and some of your favorite podcast guests. We'll also be launching online training, Start with a group program like our Couch to 5K or create your own custom program that suits your needs. Head over to racemob.com training, enter your fitness goals, and schedule your free one-on-one coaching assessment with Coach B. But you have to hurry. We've only got a few limited spots available for this kickoff. Seth's an extremely busy guy, and so we're so thankful to be able to spend some time with him. Plus, it's always great meeting up with a fellow University of Colorado Buffalo. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. We're so excited to welcome Seth Demore to the Race Mob Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Seth. Oh, thank you for having me, Kevin and Bertrand. It's awesome to be here and join you guys and share a little bit of my about my story. And gosh, it's just awesome to get to know you guys as well. 
Awesome. Well, why don't we cheers? Why don't we get that kick started? There we go. Going right there. That. There we go. Good old yes. Rocky Mountain water out here. Love it. Normally, when we have a podcast guest on, I think Bertrand, who's run over 300 races, he normally has a piece of gear. He normally has something to to commemorate it. And finally, I got one up on him. I get oh, to wear oh, the CU t-shirt here, the Run Ralphie Run shirt. Go That's Bubs. right. Go Bubs. Go Bubs. We'll, we'll, we'll save the fight song for later. <laughs> it's still we'll early, though. sing it here at the end. Yeah, yeah there we go. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. A fellow Buffalo. It's good to be. uh... When did you graduate? I graduated 2006. So probably right around the same time as you, right? Yeah, I was uh, 09. So a little. Yeah, we overlapped a little bit. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your start, how you got into running. Yeah, it's a fun story. And I think a lot of probably runners can relate to it is we runners aren't always, uh, well, we come in all shapes and sizes, but I was a pretty small guy in fifth grade and sixth grade. And I played soccer and I could outrun everybody on the soccer field. But I was so, I probably weighed like 90 pounds when I was, you know, soaking wet out of a swimming pool. <laughs> so I did, I was a small little kid and I couldn't really kick the soccer ball that hard. In fact, I remember doing a, a corner kick. For some reason, the coach chose me to do a corner kick and the ball maybe made it halfway to the goal. And it was at that point that I said, I am getting rid of the soccer ball and I'm just going to run. And so that's what I joined the uh, seventh grade cross country team in uh, Buena Vista, Colorado, and the the rest is history. I've been running ever since, and my dad was a big runner. My mom was a big runner, and so... In the blood. It was in the blood, and I watched my dad train consistently when I was a kid, so that also helped plant the seed for me as well. uh, Siblings? Brothers? Sisters? Yeah, older sister and a younger brother. Runners as well? You know, my brother is, but my sister is not. She's more of a, a swimmer and walker. But yeah, my brother is. And I often say he's faster than me, but it's because he had a good coach. And you're, you're looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you walked on at CU, right? For the cross country team? I did. I did. I walked on. So I was, for the high schoolers out there listening, my 5K PR in high school was 16.27, which is a good time, but it's not incredibly fast as far as getting recruited to run, especially at a Division One school. And I knew I wanted to go to Boulder for school, loved Boulder, loved the campus, you know, beautiful place to go to school, but it's the best, you know, one of, if not the best cross country or in track programs in the nation in the last, let's say, 20 years. You got Stanford, you've got Oregon, you've got Oklahoma State, Arkansas, but then you've got the University of Colorado. And so, and a legendary coach, Mark Wetmore, who has coached, you know, many Olympians. And so I was not fast enough to be recruited, but I tried out my freshman year, did not make the team. And then I trained solo for a year in Boulder, came back and did the time trial in August and ran about two minutes faster. And Mark- wow. Yeah, Mark Wetmore saw that and said, hey, man, wow, we think you got a shot here. So he gave me a chance. And how was that experience? Did you guys nationally ranked? I mean, what kind of meets did you guys go to? How did you guys do in those seasons? Yeah, I mean, gosh, oh, man. <laughs> well, so I was a walk-on, and but there was still like 12 guys on the team. So I wasn't even in the top seven until my junior year. So it's like, 
I really had to work to get up to that top seven, which is the team that goes to nationals. But let's see, it would have been my sophomore year into, I think it was the second year on my on the team in 2006 when we were national champions as a team. And I, I did not race at nationals, wow. but wow. it's a domino. I like to think of a domino effect where I think I was probably 10th on the team at that point, And you're pushing the guy ahead of you. And so it's like a chain reaction all the way up to the top. So yeah, we were national champs in 2006. And wow. So yeah, cross country, man, there's nothing like it. The team camaraderie is, you know, second to none. Seth, what was the difference over that one year that you trained? What was it that you switched from a training perspective that gained you that two minutes in time? It has to be nothing crazy outside of I increased my volume of training and I was consistent there. So I went from, oh man, probably like 60 miles a week to about 80 to 85 miles a week um, over the course of that year and then held it at a pretty high level. And it's um, also, I was getting older and just like getting a little stronger. So I think that helped as well. But I think the biggest thing was consistent training at a higher volume, not necessarily like speed workouts or that's how Mark Wetmore trains his athletes is just a higher, you know, pretty high volume and that aerobic development just happens. But it's a it's a game of patience. Absolutely. Talk about the aerobic development. I know that is a big core piece of training when you go into marathons and, and even longer distance. So talk to us about what aerobic training means and how you incorporate it in your current training routine. Oh, man. Let's see where to begin with aerobic. It's a big one. <laughs> So you've got your aerobic system, and then you've got your anaerobic system. And anaerobic, for everyone listening, is when you start going into oxygen debt, where you're running so hard that your body starts to create lactic acid. And when people are running 5Ks or 10Ks or whatever it is, and you start to feel that burning sensation in your legs, that's lactic acid building up. And your body, over time, the more you train... Uh, your body learns to flush out that lactic acid more efficiently. So I've seen a lot of training programs where they jump right into, let's say, track workouts where you're doing, you know, 800 meter repeats on the track without laying that aerobic base first, which is how to define aerobic training. The easy, I guess, way to say it is longer runs that are slower and at a I guess if you're doing heart rate training in that zone, uh, I don't do heart rate training, but I, in that zone, like two and three, roughly right around there, what I always do is keeping your breathing under control, but holding it for longer periods of time. So Pike's Peak, I went out and did a 22 mile run every week, every Monday. I mean, it took me about, you know, two hours and 25 minutes roughly for these runs. And it's just that long, steady pace. And it sometimes gets boring, sometimes gets hard, but it's like it's it's when you put yourself past that two hour mark. I'm geeking out a little bit now, but Arthur Lydiard was a big he was a coach from New Zealand mm -hmm. back in the 50s and 60s. And he really uh, was a pioneer in this this type of training, this aerobic training, which Mark Wetmore, my coach in college, adopted. And so it's that longer, uh, slightly slower training to lay that foundation first. and. I tend to lean in that direction a lot and then build on. It's like the, the bigger the base at the pyramid, the higher the pyramid can be later on in your fitness. So 
You've mentioned before that you're trying to build capillaries or you're trying to build additional blood vessels. Yeah, that's part of it, especially when you start going past that two hour mark, which scientifically they have found like right around that two hour, which is where you hit the wall in the marathon, right? Like a lot of people (laughs) feel they hit the wall. It's usually it can happen around that two hour mark when your glycogen levels are being burned through. And but yeah, the capillaries, that's a that's getting into the that's getting into the the nitty gritty there. Okay, so after college, you took a little bit of a break. Is that right? Yeah. And then how did you find running again? What was it that brought you back? I mentioned my brother earlier. And so he's a very, very good runner. And he took a break as well after college. But then we, you know, we were both just exploring life and, you know, starting a family and buying a house and like life gets busy. And so you have to put things on pause a little bit. Uh, But eventually he invited me to do this big mountain adventure run in Colorado called Nolan's 14, which Mm -hmm. is a it's not a race, but it's a it's a mountain run that it's just an unofficial FKT, which we can talk about at some point. But it connects 14 mountains in Colorado that all the mountains go over 14,000 feet. Um, And it's called Nolan's 14. And so we trained for that back in 2015. And that was really the spark uh, to get me back into running was from my brother back in 2015. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that your brother got you back into running. And those 14ers are no joke. FKT, for those folks that don't know, and I had to look this up, that means fastest known time. So basically, you hold the speed record for any given trail. You're best known for your YouTube channel. We know that it was initially a personal vlog and it niched down. But tell us about how you got started in the YouTube channel. So that was also around 2015, 2016. So for those listening, I have a YouTube channel. Just type my name in and you'll find it, Seth Demore. And it started out as a daily vlog. And... Back then, you know, vlogging was pretty popular, a lot of people doing it. YouTube was a little different back then as far as how it worked and how the algorithm worked. And um, I had always, you know, I was starting to rediscover running and I had a passion for filmmaking. And speaking to my dad earlier, in addition to running, he also passed photography on to me. So he's a big photographer. And so that's where I learned the art of filmmaking and how to frame a shot and lighting and all these different components that goes into to video production. Um, and I always had a, and I think I bought my first video camera when I was in like sixth grade or seventh grade. So I've always, <laughs> you know, making home home movies and all sorts of stuff. And then when I, you know, YouTube was growing and I was watching other YouTubers grow and I realized, wait a minute, people do this for a living. Like this is kind of, this is kind of amazing. But as you mentioned, like, YouTube is, uh, you know, it's owned by Google. It's a, they, it's a business. And what YouTube is trying to do is put the right video in front of the right people at the right time. So that's like their business model. They want, pe- they want people to be happy when they go to YouTube. So they serve the, you know, correct videos to the right people. And that's when I realized, gosh, if I want to do YouTube long term, I'm probably going to have to find an audience. And that's where the daily vlog, which is very broad, it's a big umbrella. It's basically too broad for YouTube because YouTube doesn't know who to serve the videos up to. So that's when I decided, okay, we need to focus on running 
and pick something that I'm passionate about in order to find the right audience. And that was um, October 2018, so almost two years ago. Yeah, and we had less than a thousand subscribers, and 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 the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, it, it literally is. Yeah, and now a hundred thousand subscribers, right? Just yeah, on Monday. Just on Monday. That is incredible. It is incredible. Have you uh, picked out a spot for that silver plaque <laughs> button? <laughs> I am. It's got to go in the studio, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know, like. I've heard about this button thing, but I do they send it? To, I have no idea how you get a button, but uh, we'll see if it if it if it shows up at my door. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll put it in the studio. That's incredible. That's incredible, and congratulations on that. Oh, I appreciate it. It's just a a lot of. Uh, I always say it's consistency, patience. If you if you're passionate about what you're doing, you'll be successful. But it does take some consistency and patience at first. And you have the tenacity and the consistency, but you also have great support too, Seth. I mean, your family unit, right? Um, you you share. I mean, it's like we're there with you as well. The realness and the openness, um, it just gives the viewers uh, another layer to relate with you. And other vloggers just aren't showing that level of creativity and realness. So thank you for that. And hats off to the missus. That's I mean, right. Yeah, and That's and right. sharing her running her running journey as well. Um, so shout out to True Love. Go ahead. That's yeah, right. Cheers. True love. Cheers to True Love. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Cheers. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> she uh, she's the the rock, the heart. She's been so patient with me getting this thing going. And uh yeah, so no, it wouldn't exist without true love, that is for sure. Um and now she's on her own running journey. How how is her running journey going? I know you share it. It's good. We missed Tuesday because of everything happening with 100,000 and but we will get her update uh into the vlog very soon. She's she has a little bit of a strain in her uh in her hip right now, so we're working through that together, but she's loving it. She just loves getting out there and um whether it's a walk or a run and that's, you know, what I always tell new runners is just take it easy, don't rush it. So, yeah, we're she's doing well though. And how are you doing post-victory? I mean, um, you know, you've given some very good <laughs> tips in preparing for a marathon, both physically and the mental approach. Yeah. Being able to find motivation, riding on the wrist as well, um, you know, where to dedicate that pain to. But in post-marathon, it didn't see you walking around like fa- Frankenstein. Right. It, 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 it didn't look that way. I know. Um, and see... <laughs> I'm shocked. But what do you attribute that to? I mean, yes, it's good training, but... Some people will tend to just, I'm not going to work. I'm going to sit at home. I'm going to lay in bed and sit down. You seem to take the opposite approach. You like to keep it, you're keeping it moving. I mean, what is your, your saying? Motion is lotion. Motion, <laughs> motion, motion is lotion. For the joints and for the, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. So I thought my quads were going to be, for those that don't know, the Pikes Peak Marathon is 13 miles up a mountain and then 13 miles down, and it's 7,000 feet of vertical gain uh, and then 7,000 feet of vertical loss. And so I thought my quads were going to be completely trashed, but what's the most sore in my legs are my calves, and they're feeling a little better today. In fact, right now I have my slant board I'm standing on as we speak, stretching out the calves. And you mentioned it at the beginning a little bit. I think you mentioned it, maybe, but is the sled that I was using in the gym, you know, pushing that sled. That's a new addition to my training. And I'm telling you, 
I think I need a little more uh, proof in the pudding with some more racing, but I'm telling you, I felt so strong at the top of the mountain. And I think part of it is that sled. And I don't know if that pushing that sled has helped my leg strength enough that the downhill running um, off of Pikes Peak may, you know, I'm not, I'm just not as sore as I thought I would be. So anyway, that's a, a long answer as far as how I'm feeling, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good actually. And how's the diet been post-race? Appetite <laughs> increase? <laughs> Giving yourself a little bit more flexibility there, Mr. Seth? Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. We did a Trader Joe's uh, chocolate run on Monday. So we got we are stocked to the brim with <laughs> all the dark chocolate you, your heart could desire. Got some uh, snooze. I don't know if you know what snooze is. No, please share. It's a breakfast uh, spot here in Colorado. I think they're out in California as well, but it's called snooze. And oh my gosh, just the best pancakes in the world. So <laughs> we uh, we went and got a, a big stack of pancakes on Monday. <laughs> and snooze like as sleep snooze. Exactly. The, the food that good that it will put you so good to put you to well, sleep. Well, I think it's I think they're playing on uh, you can uh, snooze in, sleep in and they're still open. Ah, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we are we're enjoying uh enjoying the festivities and I think we're getting pizza tonight. Oh, yes. <laughs> Post run carb loading. There you Even go. better. There you go. Any other races, live races on the calendar for you in 2020, Seth? Oh, man, I love that question because that is the focus of tomorrow's vlog. So, Ooh, scoop so, alert. But no, no, we're going to we're going to give. Uh, Save. <laughs> no, no, we'll get we'll give the insider information right now. So I am signed up for actually speaking to California, the CIM in December, oh, December. Yep. So. For those listening, fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yep. It's the California International Marathon. I still have a goal of running a PR in the marathon this year. We'll see. Um, obviously, if it's you know canceled, that's okay. We'll just pick it up in 2021. But so what's crazy is Solomon is putting on this trail series, this race in Portugal called the Golden Trail Series over in the Azores, which is. Um, some islands off of Portugal. Mm-hmm. Portugal, yeah. Yeah. My partner's from, her family's from the Azores. Oh, that, oh, wow. Small, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Ooh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's, that's so cool. So in order to qualify because of the COVID-19, there's, there's no qualifying race, but how you qualify is you have to run an FKT on a specific course that Solomon has chosen. And uh, there's five locations in the United States that people can do this. And the the fastest man and the fastest woman from these five locations will be selected to go to the Azores in November. But obviously, like right now, they're not really letting Americans travel to Europe. So, but I am planning to attempt this FKT and actually in Boulder, it's called the Boulder Skyline Traverse. And so that's my goal in the next uh, five weeks. Um, And if it all if all goes well, if I get the FKT, then if they let me go to Europe, if they I guess the government or whoever lets me go, then I'll 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 head over to the Azores. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So that'll be in uh, early November if it happens. You know, I happen to catch a glimpse of you in person earlier this year. Really? At a, a destination event where many uh, Olympic athletes were trying to qualify yeah. for Tokyo. Where would yeah. that be, Seth? Oh, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. You were running with, with equipment in hand. That's awesome. Yeah. That, so, did so you I, I know. see me out in the streets? 
I did. I did. Uh, I was a, a, a fan, been a fan, but also watching the uh, American hopefuls uh, try to grab one of those top three spots. Cold day, but a great day of running, right? Oh, amazing day. Tough course. Course, that course. Woo! Tough yeah. and, I, and windy, and uh, but it was... Uh, well, talk about some special athletes, man. They were tough, tough athletes that day. And I like the dynamics, certainly on the men's side, with, uh, let's see, Jim Wormsley running just to kind of see how he would yeah. uh, factor into, you know, the, the top 10 potentially. Absolutely. And um, did you run the marathon the next day or did you get out of town? You know, I did not. Okay. I did get out of town and yeah, but no, it was an amazing event to watch. I think the Atlanta track club put on a great event and to see, you know, Galen Rupp do his thing, but then to see Abdi, Abdurrahman. Oh yeah. 40 plus, what, 43? I think so. Like, yeah. just like wow. crushing the young guys. So really cool. And so much talent on, on both sides. Yeah. Really. And the dynamic with the shoes. When yes. you had sponsored <laughs> athletes from non-Nike brands having the conflict of, am I going to run in those Alpha Flies or not? Right. You know, that was, I just love the intrigue of that event. I was, I'm a running geek and it was fantastic. I was very fortunate to be able to run the next day. Oh. I ran the Atlanta Marathon. It was awesome. You just got into road marathons, right? So like last year was the first year that you actually did road marathon and crushing it. I mean, wow. I mean, not up to your standards, but like crushing international right? travel. That's right. That's right. Went over to Amsterdam and I uh, wanted to hop on a fast course. And yeah, so no, I, you know, I took that break after college and then, you know, got into ultra running and the mountain running and kind of skipped over the whole marathon distance. <laughs> and so my goal is to qualify for the Olympic trials for, you know, Paris in four years. So uh, whenever that has so that, you know, that's still a goal. So I ran 223 in Amsterdam. So if I can. But I went out and I, as you know, I went out 106. So I went out way too hot. <laughs> that was a, a rookie, <laughs> rookie mistake. Was that the strategy? Cause, or no. what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you all know uh, i should grab a shirt but uh there's a new uh butter my bread um is a little fun saying that if you watch the vlog you know what it is and so there was a guy in the race who's from i think the netherlands and yes his last name is butter and um <laughs> so that's kind of how it all snowballed into this uh thing where seth says butter my bread but um I ended up in no man's land in like the first two miles where there was a, a group behind me and then there was like five guys ahead of me and I had to make a decision like as quick as like, do I go with them or do I slow down and stick with it? Because I didn't want to run alone. So I made the decision to catch up to them and they were running. So I wanted to run like 519, 520 pace and... I think the group behind me was right around like 524, 525 pace, which wasn't too far off. But the guys ahead of me were like 510 pace. And it just was a little too hot for me, um, especially for my first marathon. So when did the wheels start to like wobble just a little bit, like little we weeble wobble? Little, literally mile 13, like literally like it was like halfway. And then by like mile 15, the wheels really came off. Actually, well, I shouldn't say really came off, but they 
by mile 15, I lost the group. Um, so I stuck with him to mile 15, but I felt it at mile 13 where I was like, okay, this is, eh, this is a little, little interesting here. And then it became a little bit of a death march the last mile and a half. And was it less Seth about, uh, hydration and nutrition and just more of taxed yourself to the point, maybe lactic acid buildup and you, you know, you it's tough to recover from there. You can always start off too slow. It's tough to start off fast and recover. I think it was the lactic acid. Like, I feel like the hydration and nutrition was was okay. I did miss one aid station, um, which didn't help the cause at all, but I could. F- it was more, I think, lactic acid buildup. Yeah. Are you enjoying the show? Help us out by sharing the podcast. You can win some cool prizes like headbands, wristbands, training programs, shoutouts, and more, especially if you're part of an existing running group, online community, or have friends that you think will enjoy the show. Get your personal referral link at racemob.com slash referral. Maybe since it was a destination event, you know, time zone and all the travel, do you think that may have contributed to it as well? I mean, sometimes, you know, people don't take that into consideration, even when you have people who live on the West Coast and are traveling, maybe in running in New York or Boston or Chicago, even if, it's, you know, a two or three hour difference. But, you know, you're making, you're, you're crossing over a significant body of water in another country multiple time zones away. How long did you give yourself to uh, acclimate the time zone? So it's a great question, but uh, I speaking to YouTube and the vlog, so I was I was going over for uh, Kipchoge. Oh, so this is October. Yeah, this is Chicago Marathon weekend. Well, I I filmed Kipchoge in Vienna for the sub two hour when he broke the two hour mark in Vienna, and then so I went over early for that. So I had a, an entire week to adapt to the time zones. So I went from Vienna then to Amsterdam. So I think I I know, yeah, you got to be real careful with jumping time zones and letting your body adjust to the sleep is different. You know, the food is different. Everything's different. And so, you know, it's definitely a factor co- to uh, consider, but it was worth uh, going over to. Uh... I tried to get, I was giving you an out, brother. We're going to blame Kipchoge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you saw that sub too. And the alphas, you're like, you know what? I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> I got this. I, I can. No problem. Two. What is it? Two forty two pace per kilometer. Or I think it's or it's something crazy. Yeah. Just it was something special to witness. That's for sure. It's a fascinating balance between trying to find what you love doing, because I love I like what I did last Sunday in Pikes Peak. I love mountain running, but I got to say there's something really special about running in a group of people fast in a marathon, whereas in trail running and ultra running, you guys may or may not know, like a lot of times you're kind of out solo, like there's there's people not around you. And so um, it was really fun to be with a group of guys in Amsterdam and New York when I ran New York and, and just group up and just like work together. And it's pretty cool. That your New York marathon vlog was really cool with the gentleman you were running with for a while yeah. and you eventually dropped him, but it was nice to see that camaraderie. Have you run Chicago yet? I haven't done Chicago yet. It was, it was New York. How is the training different between mountain running and road racing? Do you switch up the training quite a bit or is it pretty much the same? For Pikes Peak, I integrated a little bit more long runs as far as so instead of going out into the mountains and running, let's say, 25 miles or, you know, like some ultra training type of uh, even though the race at Pikes Peak was a marathon, I didn't run past 22 miles in the training block. That was my long run. 
But the big, big difference is that you have to, if you want to do really well, you have to get into high altitude. You have to train, you know, or if you go over to Europe and you do the trail races in Europe, um, you got to get at least above, I would say, 10,000 feet consistently, if you, you know, just to let your body adapt to that high altitude running. Uh, so that's the major difference. But I am a big, big believer in keeping your turnover going. So that's why I do my long runs, the 22 mile long runs down here, <laughs> down here, even though, you know, Denver's 5,000 feet so that you can keep that turnover at a pretty good clip because you don't, even though you're doing big mountain running, your legs can build up some pretty big muscle, which is good, but you want to make sure you can still turn those muscles over and have a quick turnover, a good cadence. You don't want to, you don't, I, at least personally for me, I don't want my legs to get, I want them to be strong, but I don't want to be so big that I can't turn them over fast for race day. So that's why I like to do my long runs here in Denver rather than, let's say, up in the mountains. Um, so anyway, that's a good question. Cadence, good point. What was, can, may I ask, and I'm sure you're, you're a, a stat geek like a lot of us, your average cadence for Pikes Peak. Oh man, I actually haven't even looked. That's a guess. Well, whatever it was, it worked because you won. Whatever it was, it worked. I mean, I usually hover around 180, but I actually. Oh wow, that is a really good question. I could look right now, but anyway, I haven't even. It's been such a whirlwind of just uh, celebrating with the family and all that good stuff. That and the cadence is a little, you know, because you're you're going up. And then and then bombing it down. Who knows what it does to your cadence, but yeah. And if you can elaborate, Seth, for some of our listeners who haven't had fortunate opportunity to follow your vlog, just the term uh, float, don't fight. So I say, and I probably should say this in road marathon racing as well, at least in mountain running, it's very tempting to try and attack the mountain is another way to think about it, rather than what I like to call floating the mountain so that another way to think about it is being light on your feet. And so when I go to the gym, I do these quick feet exercises where basically you do quick feet, kind of like you see basketball players do it on in a basketball gym and you do quick feet, but you just try and touch the ground as light as possible and as quick as possible. And I apply that to mountain running as well so that I'm not letting my foot strike kind of collapse into the ground. And I'm trying to spring up the mountain, not fighting the gravity, not fighting the loose rocks, but um, just kind of almost like dancing, like tap dancing up the mountain a little bit. And it's I'm not saying I'm always perfect at it, but I do at least mentally repeat that self repeat that phrase over and over in the race. And I did it on Sunday, just uh, float the mountain, don't fight the mountain. I guess it worked. <laughs> you look nimble and fleet of foot on your ascent and on the on the downhill i mean you were just focused and driven no i mean i felt way better on the uphill than the downhill and that's uh something i'm working on is just getting more and more confident for downhill running it really is it's an art form like you've really it's like confidence mentally and then just being as relaxed as possible so it's something i'm working on and how was your shoe choice i know you know you've been testing out some various trail shoes and a lot of uh knobbiness or, or thread on those shoes and it seemed to work for you 
It's a small company out of uh, the UK called Innovate. And in 2019, when I did the Pikes Peak Ascent, I wore some Solomon shoes and I really enjoyed those. But I tell you what, Innovate is uh, based in the Lake District in the UK, where it's very muddy and boggy. And so their grip, the lugs, what's called the lugs on the bottom of the shoes, are eight millimeters instead of six millimeters, which Solomon and Hoka have some other shoes that are similar to the Innovate shoes, but the lug depth is uh, six millimeters. Well, for Pikes Peak, the trail is fairly loose dirt at times. It can be pretty loose. So I just knew that I didn't want to be losing traction at all. So I did these Innovate shoes, the Innovate X Talon uh, G210s is what they're called. And I tell you what, I'm not sponsored by them and they don't pay me to say that, but I uh, I love those shoes. And again, they worked out for me. Um, now they're pretty aggressive. I wouldn't recommend like a new, I wouldn't recommend a new runner to go, go use those shoes. Could be cross trainers. I mean, I think the Colorado Rockies could use them as cleats as well. I mean, they're good. <laughs> Running the base pads. Yeah, absolutely. And you've probably tried on more shoes than uh, any of the guests that we've had on the show. Talk to us about the studio, the creation of the studio, what went into that, and how many shoes do you think you've tried on over the year? So, this is a big, big question. I love YouTube and you know, I found something I'm passionate about, but as I always say, you got to pay the bills. So what I learned over time is that, you know, people are go to YouTube, not only to be entertained, but to learn something. And so what I discovered two years ago is that, oh, runners are really, really passionate about running shoes, (laughs) way more than I am even. And so Um, I decided, you know what, as I was pivoting the YouTube channel to more running content, I realized, oh, wow, there's a lot of people searching for information about running shoes. So that's when I made the pivot and started testing running shoes. And as the channel continued to grow and grow and get bigger and bigger, you know, Adidas, New Balance, Saucony, Nike, uh, Hoka, every you know these companies start to notice, and then they're like, "Okay, there we go." <laughs> what, what's happening here? What's happening? Floating shoes. It must be the beer. It must be the beer. Okay, it must be the beer. <laughs> and uh, it, <laughs> I was trying to figure. <laughs> I was trying to figure. Your out eyes are playing tricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So. So the studio, and then, but what's what's awesome is that literally it's my shed. So, okay, so that's where the name, S-H, shed, and then I combined it with shoe and then studio. So studio, that's, it's literally my shed. Awesome, man. Converted <laughs> right. Trademark that. Hey, Kevin and I would I, love that. Hey, amen. We refer to you as, he's like, hey. Coach, you know, we also, <laughs> studio dude, yes, yeah. Like a month ago, we we're talking about you. We we're both fans of. Yeah, it's oh, fantastic. Man. That's awesome. I need to make a T-shirt. So that's how it started. And then, you know, about six months ago, we did a little renovation, make it like look a little nicer in there with some green lights. And uh, yeah, so I do running shoe reviews, and I don't know. I test out about I don't know ten shoes a month, probably is my guess. So roughly. And is it the viewer sending you shoes or viewer slash brand? It's the brands. And like you said, you know, um, 
You volunteer so much of your time and give so much free advice. You know, and you you have a, a beautiful family. Got to pay those bills. Got to take care of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, um, oh my goodness. And I've got big ideas and goals down the road. Like we do running shoe giveaways for people that can't afford running shoes. We're working on a way to make it more efficient. We saw you in, in uh, True Love. Uh, yeah, you know, the Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, the, the Google the Sheets. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Kevin's great <laughs> oh, yeah. technology. Oh. You need any... Super smart. <laughs> I'll be calling you. What other cool stuff do you do on the channel? And we know that you do the shoe giveaways. Um, we know when the pandemic hit, you did um, some amazing charity events. You know, I love going to races where I'm not racing and I can film the race, like the Olympic trials. That was really cool. It, obviously, 2020 has been tough because the races were canceled, but I, you know, I'm excited. I'd love to go to Tokyo next summer and film the Olympics. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's going to I think it's going to happen for sure. So and like in 2019, we did group runs where I meet the DG, DGR family around the world and we do a group run together and we film it. So I, I want to do that again once we get through this time. Um, you know, a lot of it is training. A lot of it is running shoe reviews, but Gosh, like at some point, I think it'd be cool to start uh, a section on the channel. And again, it just takes time and and resources, but uh, basically where I could help analyze people's running form and then kind of help maybe correct some of their running form issues if they basically submit video to me and then I could look at what they're doing. Yeah, so that's a couple ideas that I've thought about. Gosh, I think you could always do more videos about the gym and work in the gym just to become a stronger runner. And yeah, so those are a couple ideas that I have. The sled. Yeah. Don't underestimate the sled. It, and the amazing. other cross-training work that oh, you do. Oh, man. I, mean, I think you, you do like an ankle work that for, for mountain running. You, you're in the pool all the time. We always see you on foam rollers and the, the other stuff. The running is the fun part. The hard, the hard part is the foam rolling, the ankle stuff, the bands, the... Oh man, it never ends if, cause I had a lot of injuries in college. And so I learned my lesson that you gotta take care of your body. If you want to be a, I'd say the channel is pretty big on recovery. That's I do. I do talk about recovery a lot. Can we talk about some of those injuries and, um, that you've kind of suffered over the years? And the two big ones are plantar fasciitis and then, uh, stress fractures. So I had a lot of stress fractures in college. And then, I, yeah, I have only had one since college and it wasn't even, it was more of a stress reaction where basically the bone is cracking. And so I don't know what happened in college. I think it was high volume of training. And then also, I don't know if my body was just like still developing like the bones. I'm not sure, but I, th- I had a lot, like it was like eight stress fractures. So it was, it was rough. Where in the body? Tibia, metatarsals, pelvis, all over. And then plantar fasciitis has also been my nemesis throughout life, but I haven't had a bout of it in two years. So I feel good about that, but I got to knocking on wood. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm standing on the slant board right now. Like I just, you just got to keep that your entire kinetic chain, like from your really from your back all the way down to your toes, just really stretched out. That's what really causes plantar fasciitis. So those are my major injuries. I'm trying to think if there's, yeah, I think those two are the big ones. 
And and how did you recover from them? What how did you recover from your plantar fasciitis? So believe it or not, in college I did get surgery for my right foot. I'm not recommending that. I think if I would have known then what I know now about plantar fasciitis, that I think I could have overcome it without surgery, but it was tough, man. It was a t- I had been battling it for I think a year. It lingers. I mean, I've had it for I mean, I've had it off and on, but I've two shots and better now, knock on wood. It's so tough. But I, I did have surgery. I, if I had to go back, I probably would have not. Got, I, although it did work. I got to say that much. Like the surgery worked, but I think I could have resolved it without it. So, And then the stress fractures, you just got to learn how to train a little smarter is what it comes down to with that. Diet change from when you were in college versus post-college? Oh, yeah. I think I definitely eat healthier now. I'm not, But I didn't eat horrible in college. You know, I love, yeah, good protein. And then I love my good sal- good green salads. Um, you guys know how much I eat salads. So pretty simple. You know, I like my, I like my Bobo bars in the morning and my, <laughs> my coffee. Not, Your coffee. Not sponsored by <laughs> Bobo bars. <laughs> Your favorite true love meal. And I want to get you in trouble here, so. I know. Well, I mean, it may have just happened last night. Why don't you sleep in the studio? I know, right? <laughs> out of here. <laughs> it's got to be her ribs. It's got to be her ribs. Oh, man. man. Custom barbecue sauce. Oh, baby. Oh, it's hard yeah. to deny. <laughs> Speaking our language, man. Yeah. We are barbecue heads for sure. I mean, we love it. She makes a mean taco, though, too. So, but yeah, I'd have to go ribs would be my answer. Hopefully, I don't end up in the studio for that. No. <laughs> Now, I'm sure you're going to get some people that, you know, want uh, the barbecue ribs recipe and, you know, maybe there's a true love barbecue mm. sauce on the right, horizon. I add know. it to the, uh, add it, merch. <laughs> merch. Oh, barbecue sauce merch. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yes. All Race right. Mob Podcast. All right, we'll get, true love barbecue sauce. We'll get you, we'll get you 10%, Coach B. Butter my bread. <laughs> That's right. I got t-shirts right here. Yeah. <laughs> Motion is lotion. That's right. <laughs> Onward and upward. Yep. Yep. I love that one because uh, it's like we're all on a side one step at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. I mean, and, and thank you for the, the, the tone and the energy and the uniqueness and the genuineness of your vlogs. They just really help everyday runners feel like, feel good and that we can see a lot of you have a blue collar approach. As much as you are elite level athlete, for sure, without question, Olympic marathon qualifying time um, standard in your horizon, but your ability to relate and just keep it real, it's not overly produced and you're, you're sharing your family experience with us, someone who is as active as you, as you are, but also being able to manage the family time, integrate family as well just a wonderful thing to see. So thank you so much for. I appreciate that. And it's, you know, it's like, I try to strike a balance of life and the shoe reviews and like, it's always a balance, but I appreciate the words because, you know, sometimes I'm on the other side of the camera and I'm wondering like, okay, you know, what are people thinking about me, you know, drinking coffee and they, or what are people think, you know, the boys uh, throwing <laughs> food at the dinner table or whatever, whatever the case may be. We just, we try to be real and authentic, and uh, but still create something that you know people want to watch. So I appreciate those thoughts, though. 
Let me see if I can articulate on a post-it note how we feel about it. Yes. 100K, right, baby. Hi. Right there. So if that if, if there's any validation right there, 100K subscribers, all right? So you're doing something right. Gosh. Oh, good times. Yeah, it's uh, humbling. As I always say, I wish I could shake everyone's hand, but uh, someday we'll we'll do some group runs and and do that. Talk about the community a little bit and how you interact with it, how how it's grown, and you know, what it's like to know that there is a community of of runners of people following you, interested in in everything that you do. Well, I think they watch because of true love. Is there, is there, is there, is there, that's why. That's that's why they're watching. Um, when I, I was there, nah, see, yeah, he, he does, does not, not want to sleep in, in, the, in the studio <laughs> tonight. Now, <laughs> trying to make up, make up for lost time. It's amazing. I always say, like, I feel so privileged to live in the time that we live in that we can connect through Squadcast, like we can talk right now in real time, like it's amazing. And same with YouTube, the fact that we can communicate and you guys can, you know, share their thought, you know, the crew can share their thoughts down in the comments. And it's like, we live in incredible times. Uh, So I think it's uh, a lot of people kind of run away sometimes from social media, but I, I think it's, if used in the right way, it can build people up. So that's my approach to to YouTube is let's use it for the good. And when 75 people show up in Central Park for a group run before the New York City Marathon, I'm like, wow, that was when we had 35,000 subscribers. And I was like, okay, we got something here. Like people are enjoying this content. And just like their passion when you meet people in person is is unbelievable. So the, anyway, we say the DGR family, the Demore Global Running family, and I like I like the global side of it because I'm glad I thought of this. Running is I'm going to say it's like always the most accessible sport because you don't need a swimming pool, you don't need an ice rink, you don't need uh, a tennis racket or a tennis like you just need two running shoes and you go out the door, and that's what I just love about it and so it's it's really like wherever you live in the world and i realize we all come from different you know socioeconomic backgrounds and that's why we do the running shoe giveaways it's like if we can just get running shoes in the hands of as many people as possible so that they can go out and run i think it's just amazing so Oh, whether you're, you know, from Malaysia or whether you're from, you know, the Congo or whether you're, whether you're from the Netherlands or Russia or it doesn't matter, China, wherever you can go out and run. So that's part of it. Well, that's why I put the global in there is because the sport is so accessible. If people just have a pair of running shoes, you don't need a watch. You don't need fancy running socks, even though they, they can help a little bit, but it's like, it's, but you do, it really is, you know, it helps to have a pair of running shoes. So, yeah, that's, you get me going with that question. <laughs> well said. And, and Kevin and I were talking about this with another uh, wonderful podcast guest. With so much that's going on right now, to have a common denominator where people can talk about and immediately get the friendliness of the running community that crosses many socioeconomic, racial, the diversity component of it. It's incredibly supportive, and we need that in, in times like this with so much that's, that's going on, all the noise, all the life noise that is going on, to be able to unite and support in the running community. I think we've done that as much as any other sport. So, Oh, man, I think that's a great, great point. 
really good point. Yeah. And in these times more than really more than ever. That's why we need, uh, well, at some point, but racing back just to build, you know, that, you know, it's so powerful to meet other runners in person and just to toe the line with everybody. It's like this, oh, it's just so powerful. Speaking of racing, with 100,000 members in the global, Seth's global running family, <laughs> are we going to see a virtual, virtual event? At some point, is there something percolating there in, in, in the household? You know, true love, yeah. uh, Seth, you know, something along those lines? I don't know if you've been listening, but we were throwing around the idea of a, uh, a true love 5K on uh, Valentine's Day, maybe. All right. Yes, yes. She's training for her first 5K. And so I know, I know it's a ways off, but a little something to shoot for in the dark winter months is a a, a valentine's day 5k so awesome (laughs) there we go love it love it anything that we haven't touched on man i I don't know i think we've uh done well and i'm just excited for being on your podcast and sharing a little of my story and uh you know spreading the love it's like seek beauty work hard and love each other that's what we're all about on the channel and yeah i just appreciate everybody you know being willing to you know, give us a shot, give us a chance. And yeah, I think we did well, well, sir. I mean, thank you so, so much for your time and for jumping on with us. I mean, we had an absolute blast. want to make sure that you can get back to your absolute amazing blast. family yeah. and everything, but this has been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, coming off of a marathon training block, um, where there was 7,000 <laughs> feet of ascent and descent. Yeah. An event that your father had run in that was on your personal bucket list. You win the event where you're fourth or fifth or 16th yeah, podcast yep. <laughs> today. I lost count. And we couldn't tell because your energy level um, is on point. We just appreciate you making yourself available. So, again, we su- salute you and all you're doing and the, your support for the running community. And we want nothing but continued success. And as Kevin, I'm sure, is going to ask, we, we'd love um, for how our viewers can find you and all that good stuff as well yeah oh, i appreciate that yeah and I, it is time to go because i can uh, smell the pizza in the oven so <laughs> uh so my it's seth james demore and it's for all my social media and james is after my grandfather who uh i like to put his name out there because i'm just proud of him and so anyway it's my entire name seth james and then it's demore d-e-m-o-o-r you type that in instagram twitter youtube everywhere it'll pop up so i'd love to connect and uh, we have a pretty solid facebook group as well demore global running where we just talk about shoes and training and success stories and fkts and all sorts of fun stuff so that's also another great place to connect thank you so much and thank you guys for the opportunity and looking forward to meeting some of your crew and your community as well Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Race Mob Podcast. Check out all of the show notes or find a running buddy online at racemob.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on moving.